Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Well, hello. Good morning, everybody. Listen, I just want to take just a few moments and invite the, the Holy Spirit to, to come. And like, I've got, I've got some things that I've got written down. I've got some things to share. But I would much rather you hear from Him this morning. Uh, so can we just invite the Holy Spirit into this, this next few moments? And uh, God, you're welcome. God, to come and speak through your word. God, we, um, we, we hold it with care and uh, just in, invite you to come and, and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I've got, many of you know, I've got uh, three sons to go with my three daughters. I've got six, six kids and I've got 14, 11, and three. I mean, let's, the, the, okay, the 14 is like, I mean, we're, we argue about it because I don't, I don't know what it is, but you don't want your, you know, there's like, you want your son to be amazing, but not taller than you. Um, it's like, it's fine that he's, He's really cool, but just don't get taller than me. Is there any, any other dads out there that your sons are? So I've got, like, my days are numbered. Like, in, in the last, listen, the last year, it's been probably six, eight inches that he's just went boop, and he's like, he's like right there. I'm hanging on to like half an inch. Maybe we haven't measured each other in a while, and I'm putting it off. But my, so my, my boys will, they like make all these amazing um, uh, Lego creations, you know, and they, they, they put the, the buildings, the ships, the, uh, the dragons, the, you know, all, just all the stuff, the Star Wars, the, I mean, they're, they're putting it all together, and they just love building these creations, and um, every once in a while, that, that three-year-old, <laughs> he'll find one of their creations. I mean, sometimes, like, I'm like, what is this? And he's like, you know, the Boba Fett or Mandalorian, they've created this ship. I'm like, what is going on? Gone here, and I'm like, honey, did we take out a second mortgage? And and get another Lego set. His parents know exactly what I'm talking about because these Lego sets are ridiculous. It's plastic. Good night. But it'll take these. And he's like, no, I just, you know, from memory, I just took, you know, some parts that I had. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this, this is amazing. So the, all this thing that they've labored over, that they worked so hard for, they, they, they build and they construct. And it's amazing that three-year-old gets that twinkle in his eye. Uh, he gets it from his mom. And he just, you know, he waits. He waits till they make eye contact. And then, you know, he's like, got it. He's got it right there in his hands. He's, he's ready, waiting for the eye contact. And they, give them, and they might even give out a, no, but they're like, move slowly, move slowly. <laughs> and maybe, maybe. And then just, they scream, no, and he just drops it. And it shatters into a million pieces. All their hard work, all their efforts, just laying in shambles. Like that's, that's kind of the motivation for Paul's letter to the Galatians. He's worked and he's labored over planting these churches and these guys have, have come in and they begin to, to teach a different gospel. And Paul's like, man, I've, I've, I've labored over this and just to, to see it de destroyed, just to see it crumble. So let's jump in. I, I get the, the honor to, 
the, to start this new series. Um, as we walk through Galatians, it, it really is a, always a, a privilege and honor to open up the Word. And um, so that, that emotion that Paul is feeling as he writes this letter is, is, uh, has got to be all over the place. And as he addresses the Galatians in, in, the, in the churches there, he's writing to address these, these false teachers. And, and they're, they're coming uh, behind him as he would, he would then plant these churches. And, and they're, they're all along uh, his missionary journeys, he'd plant these churches and they're coming behind and they're changing his message and they're questioning Paul. They're questioning his authority and they're adding to the message right, that he's preached when he's established these churches. They're taking um, these churches that he's, he's labored over and they're changing it. They're perverting his message. So um, this morning, for me, like, I want to handle the scriptures with care. Like, I, I don't want to, to, to mess it, like, don't mess this up. Because there is this, this thing where you can, with good intentions, I'm sure these, these, these guys that were going around uh, behind Paul, and they're like, okay, let's, Paul was great and everything, but, I mean, who, who, what authority does he really have? So they're, they're coming behind him, and they're saying, okay, here's what you really need to do to, Jesus is good, but here, here's some other things. And, and so I, you know, as I handle the, the, the scriptures, like always, I'm with a little bit of trepidation. Like, I don't want to, to mess this up. I want to handle with care. And so that's why I open, like, I want to trust that the Holy Spirit is speaking today through, through my words, through as we open the word. Um, and so we're going to be in the, the first five verses this morning of, of Galatians. But in addition to that, I want to uh, give us some introduction, some of the background you know, uh, what is this letter that was written by Paul and, and to whom was he writing? You know, what necessitated, what occasion necessitated this letter? You know, what was the letter's in, intended purpose? And I would love to talk to uh, some of the ladies that are, as I walk through Galatians, like that would be uh, like, what are some of the insights that, that you guys had? So email, come up, conversation, whatever. Um, let me know some of the things that you um, are, are digging into. But Paul, for the uninformed, he, he used to go by his Hebrew name, Saul. Then we, we will first see uh, Saul and Paul uh, in Acts 7 and 8. And he's, he's standing there and he's approving of the execution of Stephen. Stephen is a, a disciple of Jesus. And this event, the execution of Stephen, began this great persecution of the early church. And, and the Christians were being jailed and they were being killed. And Paul is inter- instrumental. He's, he's instrumental in this persecution. Acts 8, 3 it says this about Saul. It says, but Saul ravaged, ravaging the church and entering house after house, dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. This is what makes his conversion absolutely incredible. Him coming to Jesus. In Acts 9, Saul, he's breathing threats and, and murder against the Christians. And it's here that he goes to the Jewish high priest in Jerusalem. And he'll ask for a letter, uh, letters to take with him to Damascus so that he can, he can bring back the the, the believers in, in Jesus th- that he finds there bring about bound men and women. And so his intention is to, to bring all the believers back and uh, put them in jail. Paul was a bad dude. But his, his motives were, were righteousness. Right? These Jesus followers, they're, they're perverting what it meant to be a Jew. It was spreading and it must be stopped. That's Paul's motivation. He was, he was zealous and he's, he's really zealous for the for the things of God, but he has this radical conversion. And if you're familiar with the story, the resurrected Jesus, he appears to him on the road to Damascus. It's this blinding light. And and Paul is forever changed. They actually lead him now, blinded to the city where he waits. And in the meantime, the Lord is speaking to this Ananias 
tells him to go and find and lay hands on him. And Ananias prays for Saul that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but can you imagine being that guy? Can you imagine being Ananias? Saul's purpose in coming was to take Ananias and, and the other believers bound back to Jerusalem. They knew of this Saul. They knew who he was. They knew that what he would do to them. So he's got to be, you know, come again. Like, what, what do you want me to, to say to who? Like, like, you know what he's come here to do. Like, you, you want me to, to go. So Ananias, fully trusting the Lord, went and, and did this. And why is this so important? Because we, we, we have to understand Paul's history. We have to understand his, his radical conversion. Because this letter to the Galatians is actually this rebuke from Paul. He's writing this rebuke. It's a, it's a strong rebuke. Remember, his Hebrew name is Saul, but at some point in the book of Acts, he, he begins to use his Roman name, Paul. And um, this is, is used then throughout the New Testament, all his letters. It's, it's Paul. And it makes sense because most of Paul's ministry then is going to be primarily to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish believers. And after Paul's radical conversion, he becomes this, this missionary in the truest sense. Like he's, he's, he's going where the gospel is, is not known or established. And uh, he's met with great resistance from the Jewish people. So Paul, he, he faces death on many occasions. And he even felt, uh, sometimes they felt like they were successful in killing him. They, like they leave him for dead. It's not that they ran out of rocks. Like they, really, they, they, they stopped stoning him because they thought he was dead. He's that same guy. He's the, he's the one with the letters in hand persecuting the Christians. He's, he's, he's got the same giftings. He's, he's the same tenacity the same zealousness for the, for the things of God. But, but now after meeting on the, the Jesus on the road to Damascus, it's the, it's the grace that comes through the faith in Jesus that he's so passionate about. Right? He takes this message everywhere. He's establishing these bodies of believers in, the, in churches along the way. Uh, more, more specifically for us, he's, he's establishing these churches in, in Galatia, what we're walking through today, the book of Galatians. Um, the intended recipient of this letter is uh, Galatians. Now everything that Paul has labored over, everything that he's worked for is being destroyed and perverted by these false teachers. It's important to note that Galatia, it's not a, it's not a city, it's a, it's a territory. It encompassed uh, an area that is now modern-day Turkey. Um, this is a letter to the Galatians. It's a group of churches. It's written to several churches that Paul established there on his missionary journeys. And there are some Jewish believers in, in, uh, in Jerusalem, and they hear of these churches that are being established with the Gentiles in Galatia. And so they send these guys. The Gentiles are getting saved, and so we, we've got to come and see uh, what's, what's happening here and how, how they're, they're not becoming Jews. They're not following the Jewish laws. And we, we get, actually get to see this play out in the book of Acts. Acts is like this 30-year highlight reel. Like we read the book of Acts and, you know, in minutes. Like we can read it in, in, in one sitting if we're like really zealous about it. I mean, 28 chapters. We can, we can sit down and, and read the book of Acts, but it's actually this 30-year highlight reel of the early church. And we get this window into when the message of Jesus goes from uh, just for the Jew to now being spread to the, the Gentiles. And uh, I, I keep saying Gentile. You might be asked, what is a Gentile? Anyone who's not a Jew, most of us in this room, maybe all of us in this room, if, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So most everyone here is thankful for Paul, is thankful for the gospel being spread to the Gentiles. These men from Jerusalem, they're coming in and they're, they're uh, perverting the, the gospel of grace that Paul taught. 
these Gentiles were believing in Jesus, but they're, they're not being instructed to also have the men circumcised. They're not being instructed also to follow the, the food customs. They're coming to Christ, but now they're not coming under the rules and, and regulations of the Mosaic law. So they, they send this delegation to go. And they're, 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 they find they're eating foods that they're not allowed to eat. They're, they're not honoring the special Jewish days. Like uh, We got to send this delegation to this region, to the churches in, in Galatia. Instruct them. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus is great, but it's Jesus plus. It's Jesus plus the law. It's Jesus plus the dietary table laws. It's Jesus plus the laws and customs in the special days of the Jews. But gospel means good news. And the good news that they were teaching was, was not good news at all. It was a different gospel. Paul will even uh, say <laughs> they were teaching a different gospel if there even is one. Like he's saying there's no, there's no other gospel. Like if I tell you that God will forgive all of your sins. He'll see you as righteous. He'll see you as holy and set apart, not because of of anything you do, not because of your works or anything you've earned, but because you put your faith and trust and you, you simply believe in what Jesus has done. You believe that Jesus is the son of God. You believe that he paid a ransom for sin, your sin, my sin, and he lived a perfect life. And yet dying that humiliating sinner's death on the cross. And to, to prove that he has power over sin, what did he do? He, he defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. And to prove that, he rose from the grave. He's resurrected. He's alive. So, so, so that's good news. What do I need to do? I need to confess and believe that Jesus is Lord. That's good news. You're justified by faith alone. Not by works. Not by obedience to the law. That's good news. Because no one can be perfect. No one can keep the law. Only one person in all of history was able to accomplish this, and that person is Jesus. Colossians will tell us that that our life is is hidden in Christ. My life is hidden in Christ. If our faith is in Jesus, our life is now hidden in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. He defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave, and your life is now in him. He is righteous, so are you. Right? Your life is not hidden in Christ. He is perfect, so, so are you. Look at the person next to you. <laughs> your life is now hidden in Christ. It's, it's Christ's perfection. It's not your own. It's not your works. Right? He has eternal life, so do you. Your life is now hidden in Christ. Jesus, he, he has an inheritance, so do you. Your life is hidden in Christ. Jesus has authority, so do you. So do you. It's Jesus. That's good news. That's great news. That's the gospel. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. You can't even come close. Right? He, he has done it, and he takes your life, and he hides it in his, and you get all of his rights. You get his, his worth. You get his value. You get his, his acceptance. You get his eternal life. It's free. You can't earn it and we don't deserve it it's grace and it's awesome it's good news so the false teachers then they're coming in and they're teaching that jesus wasn't enough that it's jesus plus and it was a a, a direct assault to what paul has been teaching is a direct assault to the message of of jesus to the gospel of the good news that he established these churches under we're probably going to talk in the coming weeks a lot about justification 
about being justified. And it's, just, it's a theological term. It simply means this, that you've been made or you've been declared righteous and acceptable by God. It's a divine act. It's an act of God. It's, it's something that, that God does. It's God who declares you righteous. Right? And in a court of law, the, only the innocent are justified. Only the innocent are acquitted. For any of you that remember the 90s, if the glove doesn't fit, <laughs> you must acquit. Well, guess what? Unlike OJ, you're innocent. I mean, you know, what it, unlike OJ, you are a new creation. Whether you did it or not, you're a new creation. You've been acquitted. You are justified. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. If you are in Christ, the old is gone. Right? The old is gone. The new has come. You've been made alive in Christ and you are dead to sin. That's good news. That's great news. But if you add to that, if it's Jesus plus... All right, how, how about now you have, to, you have to earn it, you have to work, you have to follow certain rules and regulations, you have to, you have to be obedient to the Mosaic law. You have, th- th- here's some food you can eat, here's some food you can't eat. You've you, you got to be true to that in order to be righteous, in order to be perfect. Right? That's, it's no longer good news because no one can do that. You can't be perfect enough. You can't earn it. And Paul is writing to the Galatians to correct these false teachers. Right? They're coming in and they're perverting the gospel. And Paul, he's got to address this. They're teaching something else entirely. He, he later, he, he, he will refer to them as the circumcision party. That doesn't sound like a party at all to me. <laughs> That's just, uh, we're, we're talking this week. He's like, you know, growing up, he's like, yeah, my mom had Tupperware parties. Pamper chef parties. But guys, we're, we're not having circumcision parties. <laughs> Although I bet you could sell a pretty nice set of kitchen knives with it. Like I was, um, but yeah, just, uh, okay. That was, she told, she told me to leave that out. And I was like, you know, I should probably, no, I mean, it'll be funny. I, it's, uh, Now, we, you know, we, have, we think the, the parties that we have are, 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 are bad enough. But think about the circumcision party. Here's the things that you have to do. Uh, here's the things that you have to do in order to earn your righteousness. Thank God for Paul. Yeah, guys, thank God for, for Paul. Gentiles can come to faith in Jesus. and He took a voracious stand. Right against these false teachers and against the circumcision party. It's uh, adding anything to the gospel, adding anything to the work of Jesus, adding anything to the gospel of grace. It's not Jesus plus. Jesus is enough. See, Christianity, it didn't just become just another Jewish sect because of Paul. Right? Uh, the early church, it was at risk of becoming just an offshoot of Judaism. And he stood up and he challenges Peter, the, the apostle. He, he challenges the rest of the, the, the apostles in the church. And it was because of this issue, Gentiles are coming to faith. And now what? They have to follow the customs and, and rules of, of, of the Jews? Jesus is enough. 
And he was right. This is the reason for the letter to the Galatians. This is a rebuke from Paul. And he'll use this, this strong language throughout. In, in, in the first part, he says that if anyone, even an angel from heaven, preaches another gospel, let him be damned to hell. That's strong language. He's passionate about this. He's labored over this. He's worked, he's suffered over this. Imagine something you've poured your life out for at risk of being completely destroyed. 1 Corinthians, uh, we'll, we'll read about what he's endured for the gospel. 1 Corinthians 11, sorry, 23, it says this, with countless beatings, often near death, five times I've received at the hands of Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, at a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. It's a lot of danger. In toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from the other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. This is some of the anxiety that he's talking about. They're, they're coming in. They're, they're trying to, to change the gospel. And apparently there were some that were, that were believing it because he has to address them. He has to write the letters to these, these churches in Galatia to have someone come in and, and bring the bondage of sin once again. You got to earn it. You got to work. For to have someone come in and put the chains back on them once again, Paul is, is incensed. They're saying Jesus isn't enough. You have to, you have to earn it. They, they're bringing another gospel. But there is no Jesus plus. There's only one gospel, and Paul is ticked. Joe reminded me this week, he, he said this, this, this wasn't only important to Paul because of, of his work, because of his labor, because of the, the things that he suffered so much for the gospel. This was important to Paul because the message of the gospel was important. The resurrected Christ was, was so important and so valuable that he would work and that he would labor and he would suffer for it. It was so important. That's why Paul and others will, will write. In Romans, he writes, I, I rejoice in my sufferings. And James adds, count it all joy when you meet trials. Paul again, he says, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Are you serious? Rejoice? Count it all joy. I'm content with hardships, trials, sufferings. So yes, it's important to Paul that everything he labored over not be destroyed, not be perverted, but even more so, it's the message that's important. It's the gospel that's important. You're saved by grace, through faith, alone. This is the position that Paul's in right now. This is the emotions that are behind this letter that he's writing, and he's not happy. He's, he's hurting. And this is a rebuke that comes to the Galatian churches. His letters, they, they usually begin with this long greeting that includes thanksgiving, right? He even has a, a blessing usually for the, the intended hearers. And this one's pretty short in comparison. It leaves out much of his uh, usual thanksgiving. It leaves out much of his, his uh, reference to the Galatians' faith and hope and love, like he usually says in his, his letters. Let's jump right into that, that first verse. 
Galatians 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So from the very start, he's reaffirming his, his apostleship. Apostle literally means sent one, and he's, he's saying he's not an apostle by man or through man. They're questioning, you know, who are you? Where's your authority? And he's saying, I'm not an apostle by man or through man. It, it's, it was Jesus that met him on that road to Damascus. It was Jesus that would completely turn his life around and repurpose his passion for the sake of the gospel. And if we're not careful, we can, we can do this today. Remember when they came to, to John the Baptist? What were their questions? Like, he's baptizing people in the Jordan River, and they're, they're being baptized because they're repenting of their sins. And the Pharisees come, and they, they're like, who gave you the authority to do this? By what authority do you do this? And they would even question Jesus in the same way. Mark eleven twenty eight, 28. And they said to him, the, the religious leaders, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Why, why is it our propensity as, as humans? Like, we just want to question. Like, who, who gave you this authority? It doesn't matter if it's a good idea. I mean, these people are in the river uh, repenting of their sins. It doesn't matter the, the things that are happening. Like, who gave you this authority? Paul's authority comes from Jesus, and so does yours. If you're in Christ, your authority is from Jesus. You've been sent. On occasion, we'll have people, they'll call their church, and they'll ask about baptism, they'll ask about communion. And what they're wanting is uh, a pastor. They're wanting a pastor to come and, and, and baptize, or a, a pastor to come and, and give communion. And, and listen, it is, it is my absolute honor and privilege to be able to do it. I love it. I love being able to come and, and baptize. I love being able to come and, and, and share communion. But that's, that's something each and every one of you can do. You got a bathtub, a hot tub, a creek, a pond, a, a lake, a body of water. There was, there was one time this, this guy wanted to be baptized, and, and all the guy had was two bottles of water. And I watched him just crack those bottles of water open and baptize it. Like everything in me was like, wait, he's got to be immersed. Like, wait, like, what are we doing? Like, can we get up? Can we gather? Then like, it just challenged. I was like, my whole view in one second, as this guy is, is coming to Christ and, and receiving the grace and forgiveness of Jesus and wanting to be baptized. It's like, oh, we got oh. my whole view of baptism changed in that moment. It's not about getting a pastor together. Like, if, if you know somebody who wants to be baptized, you, a believer in Christ, can baptize them. It's like we read in the Bible, Philip on the, on the road, he, there's an Ethiopian in a chariot, and he wants to be baptized. Like, what? there's a cesspool right there. Let's do it. Yeah. You can do that. Moms and dads, you can lead your family in communion. I think there's probably several here that, that probably do that. You say, yeah, yeah, we, we take communion. Like you can sit around your dinner table and take communion with family and friends. You don't need a pastor to come and, and do that. Again, it's my, call me up, I'll do it, I'm there. It's my honor and privilege to do that. Like, and I expect, you know, Thanksgiving or Easter or anything where I'm the pastor in the room and they're praying for the food, <laughs> All, all eyes go to you. It's like, we're wait, waiting to eat. Let's, uh, Pastor, will you 
Will you pray? Listen, you are sent ones. It goes on in verse 1. It said, uh, speaking of Jesus, uh, God the Father who raised him from the dead. Listen, we, we make a lot to do about the cross, and, 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 and we should. We sang about uh, the cross this morning. And you may be wearing one today, right? Either necklace, earring, or it's inked permanently on your skin. Like the cross, we make it a, bit, a big thing, and it is a big deal. And as we approach Easter, um, the cross is important, but it's not the main thing. Multitudes of people were hung on the cross. Our Esther series reminds us of this gruesome, embarrassing public execution that the Persians started. And, and the Romans liked it so much that it would become their preferred form of execution. There's multitudes of people that would meet that unfortunate end on a, on a cross, being hung up for, for all to see embarrassing ridicule. And Jesus, we, we even read, he doesn't hang there alone. He was flanked on each side by, by thieves, criminals, guilty. So it's not so much how he died, a death on the cross, but it's that he was raised to life. He was raised from the dead, and he's alive. <laughs> this is what sets Christianity apart. It sets Christianity apart from every other religion. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. Every pharaoh that ever lived that believed they were a god is dead. My kids and I, we've, we've gotten into this, this um, archaeology show, Ancient Egypt, and they would, they would build these elaborate pyramids, which many, many of you have seen and know about. And, uh, and they would you know, put in all these treasures and, and uh, gold and wrap everything in gold. And, and they, they put these pharaohs in the, in the tomb. And at the base of the, the tomb is, or at the base of the pyramid is these temples where they would be worshipped so they'd be remembered forever. And then every single one, like their, their tombs were raided. Tomb raiders like, would come in and they're taking the the gold, and they're taking the, the possessions that were supposed to lead them into the afterlife, and they're just, you know, nope, they're, they're just gone. So the Egyptians got wise to this, right? And so now they're, they're, they move it to a remote area, the Valley of the Kings, and instead of building the pyramids, a lot of work, they're digging into the sides of the, these mountains, and they're putting the tombs in there, and then they would build these elaborate temples somewhere else, so they would still be worshipped and their name remembered forever. And those tombs would be raided. The tombs are full of bones. And no earthly possessions. The tomb of Jesus is empty. Easter, spoiler. He's not there. Mary is going to find that tomb empty. She's going to run back and she's going to tell Peter and John and the rest of them. And Peter and John are going to have a foot race to the tomb. And they're going to find it just as she said. Could have saved themselves a run. It's empty. The stone has been rolled away. Jesus is alive. It's the cornerstone. His, his resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. The main thing is the resurrection. The main thing is that the tomb is empty. 
Because you don't earn it. He did all the work. You can't work your way. It's not Jesus plus. It's not anything on my effort. It's all because of Jesus and what he's done. The resurrection is the main thing. The tomb being empty is the main thing. Without it, Jesus is just another man. He's a good man, but he's still a man all the same. He's just a man. This strikes at the heart of what Paul is writing about in his letter to, to the Galatians. We are justified by grace through faith in Jesus. It's like, it's that song, Jesus paid it all. He did all the work and the authority comes from him. John 10 verse 17 says this, For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He did all the work and all the authority comes from him. Let's pick it up in in Galatians 1, verse 3. Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this evil age according to the will of God and Father to be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, Paul, in, in the greeting of his letter, from the start, from the get, he's, he has the saving work of Jesus on display. It sets the tone. Jesus saved us from our sins, and he has delivered us through Jesus. You are saved from your sins. Right? Through Jesus, you are set free. Through, through Jesus, you are, as it says, delivered from this present evil age. You are delivered from being slaves. Paul will later explain that when you try to add anything in Galatians, he's going to say, you try to add anything to the finished work of Jesus, and you remain under the law. Right? Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus the food and dietary laws. When it's Jesus plus, you're effectively wanting to remain anchored in that, that, that the present evil age. You're wanting to remain anchored in this present evil age that Jesus has delivered you from. And today, you and I, we don't care much about circumcision, right? It's more of a, a health issue. It's not a religious one. Most of us love bacon. Hallelujah. Got one hallelujah anyway. I, I, I love some shrimp and, and some, some lobster, <laughs> right? What I'm getting at is, like, these are things that we don't even consider now. Uh, those are things, like, we don't add those to our faith to make us righteous. But, so what, how can we, what, what do we do? How can we apply this to, to us? Sometimes we can try to make our good deeds that way or bad. And we think that somehow... We're getting a, a better position with God. Somehow we are, we are earning our way. It's not Jesus plus. Not Jesus plus your good behavior. Not Jesus plus your behavior modification. Sometimes we, it's just we want to avoid God when we've, when we've messed up. Why is that? God should be the one that we, that we run to. He needs to be the one that we run to. Right? You can run to him at any time because it's his righteousness. You can run to him at any time because it's his perfection. It's not yours. It's not me. It's him. It's not you. It's him. You stand with your life hidden in Christ. That's why you can boldly go, it says, before the throne of God. 
It's him. It's not you. You are justified. You have been made, declared righteous. Run to him. (laughs) With freedom, run to him. Is there anything that you're doing that is Jesus plus? If I do this, if I say this, if I act like this, like I'm a giver and we, we consistently give like a portion of our income. Like we give our tithe and we, and we give, we look for other ways. How can we give above and beyond our tithe? But we don't think that this in any way makes us right with God. We're not doing it to earn. It's not, it's not for us anything other than an issue of, of trust. And we believe there's blessing that comes, but it's, it's not anything to earn our position with God. Salvation then is not tied to my giving. I read my Bible, I, I, I pray, I fast, and these are all beneficial to my walk with the Lord, right? They're a huge part of my consistent walk with Jesus, but it's not anything that I'm earning. I can't think for a second that, that I'm earning my position, that, you know what, because I do these things, God will somehow look at me different than he looks at anybody else. The Jews, it, talked about this present evil age and the Jews they believed in these two ages. they believed in the present evil age and they believed in the age to come and this present evil age is believed to represent life under the law and the age to come is where God would then establish his justice and peace and everyone Jew and Gentile would come under his lordship but Paul is reminding them that Jesus has come that Jesus has delivered them from this present evil age his grace is available to all Jew and Gentile and through Jesus Paul later writes in Galatians 3, verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Because if I rely on my own perfection, if 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 I'm relying on my own ability to keep the law in order to be perfect, If I'm relying on me, it affects the way that I now relate to God. That's why I'm not running to him, because I'm looking at, at what I've done. I, don't, I, I might not run to him. I might avoid him because I've messed up. Is God mad? Right, I messed up. I've, I've got to, to try harder. I've got to make it up for all the, the bad things I've done. So, so now my, if, if my good begins that way, my, my bad, then... Oh, Anybody like say, I, I can't go to church? Like, it will burn down. I can't, I can't go to church. What will I wear? Like it matters. I've messed up. Maybe, maybe God's not going to notice. I've messed up. Maybe, maybe all this Christianity stuff, maybe I just can't hack it. Maybe I just, maybe it's, you know, it's, it's something I'm just going to walk away from because it's, what is it anyway? I've messed up. Like, I mean, like I read in the Bible about, about doing this and not doing that, but does it really mean that? So we try to, to change what, does it, does, it, does it really mean this? Is it still so wrong to do this? But here's the thing. It's not, it's not my righteousness. It's his. It's not my perfection. It's his. It's not my, my worthiness. It's not my value. It's It's his. It's not me. It's him. It's always been him. If I relate to God based on his grace, it's constant. It's never changing. 
It's never deserved. It's never earned. It's unmerited. If I relate to God based on his grace, it's not about what I do. It's about who he is. It's what he's done. It's what I simply believe. That is good news. So the challenge for us It's not so much that there's that free gift available, it's our response. That, that, that him, you know, remember, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. It was important to Paul that the message of the gospel not be perverted, not be destroyed. Because the gospel message was so important. And it's important that we, we find joy that we're content, right? That we rejoice. Like I, guys, I didn't get a paper cut this week being a, a Christian. Paul labored and he suffered and he worked. And so sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to, to relate. Like I could, I could list out on some things. It's like, what have, I, what have I worked and labored for? It's not going to be shipwrecked. It's not going to be cold. It's not going to be hungry. It's not going to be all these things that Paul worked and labored for. So sometimes it's kind of hard for us to, to relate to, to Paul, to relate to the early church. But the gospel message is important. It's important for your family. And it's important for your friends. And it's important that you, you labor and that you work. And for us, where we live, can't say the same for believers around the world. Like there's some that are right there with Paul. We're being persecuted. We're being beaten. God, we thank you for your free gift. God, we thank you for your gift of grace. God, we thank you that there's nothing that we have to do to earn God, we thank you that it's all about you and what you've done. And we rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 